Ian, welcome to the podcast. If you could just start off by telling us a little bit about your career so far and what is you up to now. First of all, I've never been offered a beer on a podcast, so thank you for that. <laughs> no, I'm joking. There's no beer. So. Um, the question, so if I could take you back to how I started my career. Mm-hmm. Okay. It kind of goes back, to be honest, from um, being at school and getting my GCSE results and getting four GCSEs. And I remember being in the bathroom crying on the phone to my dad and um, I think he had realised that he could have... We all could have chipped in a little bit more to, to have worked harder at school. Um, and I spoke to him about it and I and I said to him I was going to be a plumber and he said, that's fine, plumbers make a lot of money. And everybody always says plumbers make a lot of money. Um but uh, I was a bit too proud proud for that at the moment, and we tried everything we could to try and get me back into back into school. And school said no. Um, but my business studies teacher, the only class that I did well in, I got a B. I was pretty happy with that. Um, she recommended I go to a college which had a, a diploma, like a business diploma. Um, so to be fair to my dad, he stuck stuck in there, got the setback from the school, drove to the college, um, and got me into a diploma. There, I basically discovered marijuana I think <laughs> yeah marijuana I can say that on the podcast um, and I became a bit of a lazy student at, at college um, and what I learned there was I wasn't very good with numbers but on the creative side of business and the creative side of um, well marketing um, I actually you know I fancy myself in that one particular topic um, but I think it's changed a lot from, from your age from when I was uh a student because it was pretty much like you either go to university or you do, like you're you're not gonna make it in this world like that is in, was in the back of my head my brother went to university and that was always the rhetoric I was playing in my head over and over again so I think I've always had this attitude um within me that like I leave things to the last minute but I think that's when I do my best work because I know it's going to get done um, and I didn't really know that at the time, but looking back, I know that I possess that. So yeah, during during college, um, university applications came around, and I applied to go to Bournemouth um, to do marketing. And then um, my career really started. The the reason I chose that course is because it had a placement year, and my career started um, really and truly on my third year of university, which would have been a placement year. My first job. Um, I was applying all year to try and get a placement. I was, yeah, I, I tried pretty much everything. But this one person uh, came into our talk and said that, you know, to get a job, you really need to, like, stand out and grab people's attention. And QR codes back then were just, like, that was, like, the new AI. Um, QR codes, they had a resurgence over COVID, but before then it was, like, this was, like, the new thing. Um, so I just had an idea to put a QR code onto my CV and then I sent it out and attached the QR code was like basically a website, which was my CV, but it was just the thought that I'd taken a little bit extra time. Um, and yeah, someone in France working at Airbus got my CV, got my QR code um, and decided to give me a year year into, in year placement. So my career started in Toulouse, really um, working for Airbus. And I think that was a really coming of age moment for me because living abroad um, whereas before I was just, you know, usual. I don't know what students do these days, but back then it was quite, um, I'd say the work was a, an afterthought, really. Um, and going to France really 
like shook me up. I was the first time I was getting paid. It was in a new country. Like the anxiety I had knowing that I couldn't speak anyone's language was like really like shook me up and made me um yeah made me just become a little bit more serious with myself. Um, so I'm obviously taking you for a whole sort of life story. But after that, um, went back to university, managed to get a two one by you know scraping through, um, but. Yeah, somehow I managed to get a job at Unilever, which for a first job out of university for someone that didn't really rate himself for for a whole the whole of academia, um, and then suddenly I was like, I managed to 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 get a job um, at a company which um, were was one of the companies I was studying my textbooks. Like Unilever was a big thing to me, and in terms of like. Yeah, the element of pride that I had when I got that job, I was I was so over the moon and kind of shocked. And I think, yeah, that's how my my career began. Um, it didn't last long in for that to satisfy me. After two years, I became like I I always felt like I wanted to be an entrepreneur or a, a businessman or whatever you like to call it or a hustler. Probably the word I would I would call it. Um, I think that came from like my dad and and he he likes me to remind people of this i believe he was genuinely the first man to bring pokemon cards into the uk and that made me quite a popular kid at school um he would sell them on on the playground um which was a bit weird but it it had to be done because they they were illegal and he was like come it was like he was drug dealing but he was like come (laughs) on the playground and be like yeah i've got two packs of basic (laughs) um so yeah he I think seeing that from a young age and like knowing, seeing how my dad quit his big job in advertising to like just gamble everything and just become like a man that sells Beanie Babies and Pokemon was like, yeah, I guess it was kind of inspiring. And um, yeah, so after Unilever decided to leave, I, I wrote this post, which is quite funny when I look back on it. I need to repost about it again. But it was like, um, after two and a half years, I'm leaving Unilever to 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 see the world and to um basically realize my dream find yourself find myself yeah (laughs) to find myself and realize my dream i don't know what that is yet but i'll be back in a few months and if anyone has any opportunities hit me up and to be fair loads of people commented um and this was like linkedin before linkedin was even a thing um and then one startup in particular uh gave me an opportunity i facetimed i was skyped them over um over when i was um, in Australia and I had a shaved head and that was quite surprising that I managed to to pull them over with a shaved head well the first interview I was like well put together and the second one I was just like shaved head in like a Hawaiian shirt and they gave me a gave me a chance when I came back um, but it was for an influencing influencer marketing startup and they it quickly became apparent that obviously they were hiring me because I worked for Unilever and they wanted to kind of like get me the keys to Unilever and from the person that had just wrote a post about how I was trying to like realize my dreams the thought of like working with people from Unilever was a bit of an ego death for me so it just didn't really work I got fired after like four months um because I was yeah I didn't really see it with with so much clarity at the time but when I said to them yeah I don't think I can get Unilever I think that was pretty much it basically after getting fired throughout my 20s um it's really been i think the the term finding yourself is essentially just finding a way to believe in yourself and some people can do it earlier than others and for other people it just takes a longer time 
Um, so really, I've just been like my my biggest project after leaving uni, after getting fired. Um, I would do like freelance marketing work on the side, but I built a project called FC Not Alone, which was um, on the back of my cousin's um, depression when he kind of made a recovery. Um, we basically decided there was a, a campaign at the moment uh, at the time called Project 84 and we basically decided like the charity Calm they're the first people to communicate about mental health in a way which is a bit not like laddie because that word's gone downhill but like in a way which isn't like oh this person's you know very suicidal come and help him it was in a way which is creative where it was like oh we all get that yeah we all have those feelings and it was uh, just it really connected with us and I think on the back of his um, yeah, on the back of his depression, it really it really hit a time of us. So we wanted to basically raise money for that charity using football because, like back then again, it wasn't really that spoken about that football had any relation to mental health. But it's quite simple when you think about football being such an outlet for so many men. There's a mental health crisis. Let's use football um, as the vehicle to have a conversation about mental health because people always talk about football. Um, so yeah, the first meeting was pretty cool. We 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 met the charity. We said we have this project idea. We're going to call it FC Not Alone. We're going to do a charity tournament um, to raise money for your charity. They were they were really happy with it. Um, and then the next project was to create a kit, which we partnered with Adidas, which was to sell the kit um, to raise awareness for mental health. Um, and that was a project which kind of was all encompassing. And I basically quit my freelance stuff to go full-time on that but that was like um yeah not for profit's an interesting one I, i'll get into that later but i think like for me underneath any vehicle whether it's entrepreneurship not for profit you being a content creator being a youtuber whatever i think there's just a yearning to be noticed and i think we all have that just to you know as a human need self-actualization and i think it started to like rub off on me that my brother my cousin has moved on from this chapter you know it's been two years like he doesn't really want to keep going on itv news and sky news to keep talking about how he was depressed two years ago we felt there was a lot of imposter syndrome because i felt like a lot of people's were yeah looking to the wrong people for inspiration because we'd moved on from that chapter and i felt like at that time i could just keep banging this drum I do, you know, of course I I I believe men should look after their mental health. Of course I'm passionate about it. But um it can be ironically pretty stressful to keep talking about mental health. And I see this with a lot of people that once you start getting recognition for a topic, they want you to keep like banging on that drum and you feel like that's the drum that you need to keep banging for the rest of your life. So it was a big release for me when I could kind of like put that to a side um so yeah put that to a side and move on like like it was a successful chapter of my life but i moved on um and then i got a job working for the people that made football manager which was pretty fun sports interactive really really and that was over covid so that was really important for me to um yeah to have a job over covid because it was a weird time to be like at home just i i was either playing cod or working it was for two years pretty yeah. much um and yeah going full circle after two years of that i i built up enough confidence again enough like yeah enough confidence to feel like you know i understand branding i understand marketing um i've worked as a brand manager now at unilever at sports interactive um it's now or never really just 
make that switch like I'm never going to get a job again like that was the mental switch yeah when I found your your profile on LinkedIn what stood out to me and why I wanted to get you on was because of your post about branding and, and your your interest in it and what you've done in it and when did you realise the importance of branding uh, and and you know what has branding like why is branding so important for companies in your opinion for me it's like everybody wants to kind of start a new business there's so many businesses out there the only way people are going to remember your offering is via your brand and when you you know you're asking me about your um your project you're working on like branding for me is it's we can overcomplicate it but at the end of the day like if you actually think how many brands you can you can reel off that's because they've you've seen their logo time and time and time again and branding realistically on a supermarket shelf is normally down to like the price and if it's on offer at the same time or if when you're at the shelf whatever brand that pops out at you the most is the one that you choose for whatever whatever you want and i think like i definitely understand the importance of branding and it's in and ironically it's the bit that i get too obsessed with when i go to create a business or when i go to create a project because it's the fun bit it's like oh the identity um the strategy the like how how's it going to speak how um how's my logo going to look and whilst i'm kind of contradict myself it is it's vital when your business is already established and it's vital for you to get remembered but it isn't to be fair the first thing you need to do um when you create a business first you need to create well you've got to create a good product or service and you need to understand if there's market fit um and yeah whilst i whilst i like i think it is vital to build something extremely valuable um i do think like when you're starting a project is it's the thing that everybody gets excited about and realistically like building a business is a takes a long time and realist and and getting brand recognition takes a long time um and i think yeah from 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 what i learned at unilever quite quickly on you wouldn't believe the attention to detail that a company like that plays to their brand they've got yeah all the brand stories of all of the brands in documents that are so thorough and everybody in the in the company needs to understand them and this is partly why i left working there to be honest like your role essentially when you're in a company like that is looking after the brand so if your agency you work with is doing all the cool stuff they're on the shoot they're the ones that are like directing it you're basically there being the annoying person that says oh can you just make sure our logo is a bit more visible in that and the importance of that i'm not too sure i think there's a there's a lot of like everybody just wants as i said to 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 feel important um and you feel like it's the duty of you as the brand manager to make sure your logo gets enough airtime um so to answer your question it's i i mess with branding because it's the fun part of business and there's a lot of stuff that's just really granular really long and you know branding is just the thing that you see of your eyes straight away that you can take pleasure from seeing and feel proud of yeah it seems like you're an expert in this field with so much experience to back that up how would you recommend seeing through the lens you see it seems like you have this sort of innate ability to see a brand for what it is and um yeah what what are some shortcuts to be able to have that perspective yeah Um, is that chat gpt's question that was my oh that's your question um 
you know, again, with with a logo, with a, so there's there's a misconception, obviously, that a brand is is an identity is and is a logo. Like that's one asset, one facet of it. I think that's the thing that we all jump to a conclusion about a brand. But ultimately, the definition that I think's the easiest to understand is that it's the feeling that people get when they interact with your product or with with your business. Um, and it's got to be it's got to be recognisable in in a sea of competitors but also it's got to like right now and Unilever were probably the first to do this brand purpose is like fundamentally the the baseline of what every brand seems to have to have now um you need to be because it's so competitive you need to be bringing something else to the world um that is going to positively impact the world i think that's that's fundamentally what everybody kind of talks about i think even your generation are getting apparently more more and more um selective with the brands and the products that you buy um i've read lots of stats to say that people like have basically cancelled brands based on their old like ethics um but again like you look at you look at nike and like nike and brands like that they've pulled the wool over our eyes for so long and i think they will continue to do so of what it's actually like behind the brand um i'm going off on too many tangents but you're but to to in terms of like branding where i've kind of evolved to now is like what my business is now is personal branding i think that's something that i've i've shifted to because i i i enjoy i enjoy working with humans a lot more than than working with like emails and spreadsheets you alluded to earlier that you know you've got this sort of this passion for football and, and maybe even gaming and, and you said <coughs> a company you worked for was the people behind football manager and and then you also work for Unilever. What was the difference between the two companies? One you stayed at a lot longer, and and one you probably enjoyed more. Now you're doing it for yourself. Like, how important is it to be passionate about what you're actually doing the branding for? Yeah. So, there's the two best workplaces in terms of the people I've worked at are those companies at Unilever. I I didn't realize at the time because I didn't have a binary metric. But when I left that company and then I got fired from a startup, and I realized like how bad work cultures can be. Unilever, I was in awe with how multicultural it is as a company and how many people are like really, really nice. And I think it's a great question you ask because also at Sports Interactive, um, I've never met a more passionate bunch of people for the work that they do. And that's because we've all grown up playing Football Manager. It's, it's an iconic game. These people love football and it's basically a football lover's dream to work there and it really reflect it really reflects well in the culture there like everybody is so sincerely passionate about the project and obviously when you think of a brand again like that's the unwritten stuff that goes behind scenes in luxury fashion for example i'm having these conversations at the moment with a lot of founders and about a lot of founders and i've heard that industry is just rife with with toxicity and i guess that kind of suits the image of fashion i think that's that's kind of um you know, it goes past and parcel with with what it is but you can't build a business and a brand to be to the scale you know it depends how big you want to build it but in terms of the team and the culture i think that is now becoming a bigger bigger part of what a brand needs to be it needs to and and you know this is a university podcast um the conversation right now about work culture and and the demands 
um, that really the staff are putting a, a, on the companies they work with to 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 make the employees' lives better is is getting I think potentially more and more unreasonable, unre- but um, is getting bigger and bigger. So, yeah, yeah, and with Brandon, it's not just about you know having a good product as well. It's about like standing out, and and I've seen on a lot of your posts. I mean, yeah, one of them is Oatly, right? Like something that it's just it's just milk you know what but it's managed to stand out amongst its competitors what are some examples of some brands that you really feel passionate about and now that you're working you know for yourself like how do you pick which brand you actually want to work with so uh distinctive i I think distinctive brand assets and it was why i asked you before i jumped in the room about your podcast um it's something that you keep like people come back to Stephen Bartlett's podcast for example because at the end there's a question um, which says the last guest on this podcast asked this question I haven't seen it Um, that's an example of a distinctive asset and that's an example of going back to that and getting the same experience over and over again familiarity Um, I Monzo is the most obvious uh, example of a distinctive brand asset and and a, a brand that stood out I remember vividly the first um time i saw that card and i just wanted it i just wanted it because it was i'd never seen that hot coral they call it um that color before and it was called mondo back in the day and they also did like this fomo kind of like referral scheme where you could only get it if you invited five other people to do it and also it was like a digital bank which was a new thing at the time so that's like my staple go-to standout brand I th- yeah, I think Oatly was very innovative, obviously, when they came on the scene. I think Minor Figures is actually the, the oatmeal, which is funny, that I believe stands out most because it's literally just a white carton with a with a green um, green signal. But yeah, distinctive brand assets. As I said, because I believe branding is about, over a long period of time, showing up, showing up, giving the same experience and just reminding people you're there. I mean, that's why media budgets for companies like Coke, Unilever, Nike are so vast because marketing advertising and communication is really just repetition 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 um and making sure that those logos and brands are implanted like every time that person goes to um goes to buy something i think my favorite distinctive brand asset has to be the stig from top gear (laughs) yeah that's actually a really good one that's a post in that that's a really good one yeah um i like that but anyway, as you say, your work at the moment, um, you, you've moving on from uh, from Top Gear, um, <clears throat> improving your personal brand. Students yeah. at the moment, as you say, similar to, to almost a product, you're sitting there in a wave of competition from other people um, who are all very skilled. In terms of maybe focusing on students at first, what are some tips on improving personal brands that you can you can think of? Well, my first tip is forget that anybody cares about what you have to say and I think that's what holds us back all the time when we go to do anything online I think you guys have already got past that stage because you have a podcast I think a lot of people before they had gone to the, the the idea to create a podcast would have started worrying what if nobody interacts with it what if um, nobody wants to come on you know it's always the what if sort of from a negative point of view um, and I think you guys have made a great step in terms of going over that barrier so my first tip is always you you, I think for students it might be different because you're still getting to that stage of like building your network um, but from your first job and your first experience obviously then you've added people on LinkedIn you're starting to build that network and that will come over time just from being in more places attending more events um, 
and never I, I think never underestimate just creating on your LinkedIn just hammering that connect button and just constantly like adding new people and I think obviously you've got when you're a student you have that um, it's why I'm here today everybody wants to give back because we've been given back like given back when we were your age and I think you use that to your advantage when you're a student is you have this blissful naivety that ignorant like you're almost ignorant to the world and you should be because you haven't yet had all of the experiences that other people have had so my first tip is I guess embrace the fact you're a student and just make sure that you're putting your thoughts online I think what we're seeing right now with this with with AI is that um you know people that are really experienced in their careers are worried about it so you know getting into getting into a career is is also like it's also going to be quite difficult to be fair so the only way you can cut through that is by creating an identity around yourself and sharing why you're special because we all have like special insights and value to bring to the world but as we go more and more digital of course that continues to happen people need to yeah people need to hear you and they if you're not if you're not playing the game that everybody else is playing then you're already at a disadvantage yeah and you you said earlier that hammer the connection button on linkedin and and i do do that as well but that doesn't necessarily mean that you'll gain a lot of traction on your post right and that's something i've been trying to work out it's the algorithms make no sense to me and you know i've seen you're someone who has managed to get the algorithm to work in your favor what's some advice to people trying yeah. to grow their voice on you know not just linkedin just social media in general what are you what's your knowledge of the algorithm yeah it is a two-way street a two-way street so if people are actually a bit nervous to start creating content in the beginning just start engaging on other people's content so if you've added people even on like any platform if you're you know everybody wants likes and engagement on their content so if you can give that to other people then naturally over time people are going to reciprocate and then the platform platform whatever it is is going to reward your behavior they're going to see that you're not as long as you're not spamming and you're actually thinking about what you're writing rather than just love this or great stuff um i think people will appreciate having a fan and if you can just be the fan for as many people when it comes out to you putting your stuff it'd be rude for them not to interact with you back so i think that's a tactic anybody can do from today is just like instead of just hammering the like button think you know even if it's just i don't know 10 or 10 or 20 times a day commenting something that is actually building to the narrative of the post and the discussion that that person wants to have when they post it that will be a great first a first point of contact yeah and thank you so much i'm sure there's so much for um for all the students to take from that what about on your on your startup now what, what is exactly that you do within personal branding if you just want to explain it yeah. quickly yeah so but the reason why i'm passionate about personal branding so my startup's called reality check and i i've i've come to this game a little bit later than others there's some people doing unbelievable stuff so personal branding in terms of like what it is from a technical point of view it's working with people to essentially write their linkedin content like if that's at the bare minimum the technical aspect and how i how i've seen that play out over the past couple of years is i've seen people that i've met in real life and then i go to see them on linkedin and it's like there's a picture of them like with a thumb emoji and a story that is really basic there's no meaning from that story and for some reason it's gone viral and that's because there's some people that are very talented in understanding algorithms but i 
again, coming from that branding background, I don't believe that's personal branding. I believe that's just gamifying an algorithm and getting somebody like viral, viral, viral. And I believe with the element of like branding, that does a lot of long-term damage as well because people get a bit sick of seeing someone that's just talking about stuff that they probably wouldn't even talk about in the pub or, or over coffee. So for me, how I do it a little bit differently, um, I go really deep on the one-to-one conversations up front. We have strategy sessions. We have I interview the people I work with. And for me, I'm fundamentally trying to understand like what insights that person actually has to bring to the table and what do they actually like care about um and i think you would you'd be really surprised like the amount of conversations i've had with people that on the on the surface have like higher status or a lot more money than me or i don't know have a lot of followers you'd be really surprised at how many people care about what others think of them like it doesn't matter how successful they are they still have imposter syndrome and they still get scared to put their thought out in the world. And I think a lot of people actually, when they already have a strong reputation offline, they already have um, a brilliantly functioning business. The idea of entering the game and then putting something out there and then not getting any engagement kills the kills their ego, really. They, they, they see that as as a failure and these people don't like failures so they're going to be very scared to like put something out there and, and feel like no one's going to engage but the, but always what happens is because they've built up such a repertoire in real life when you go to like talk online there are people that actually sincerely want to hear you and they'll support your your content so yeah personal branding for me there is the technical element of writing content on other people's behalf but i don't get to that stage until i truly know the person i'm writing for and i'm I'm writing as if I'm inside the head, but also I'm writing because I've had conversations with them and I've taken notes and it's basically the words they've said to me, but I've then turned it into a language which is digestible on a on a mass audience scale. Um but the reason I'm I'm so passionate about it is because it's like again, like I said, I believe everybody everybody needs to to big themselves up and everybody needs to show the world why they're special and it's going to be more in demand as the years go by. Um, and I get passionate about... I like gassing people up, to be honest. Like, I like sitting with people that don't... For some whatever reason, they don't think they have anything to bring to the table. They don't think they're interesting. And then to me, they're, they're like, way more interesting than me. And I'm able to then play a small role um, in talking to them to make them realize how brilliant they are and then they always leave a session feeling like oh you know i really like this personal branding thing do you think to build your brand you need to know what your brand is before you start doing it or is or should you start just putting content out it sounds like your job like your job is to sort of yeah to form their personal brand to actually make them only realize exactly what it is that that is sellable and marketable yeah i think um the people I work with, they already know who they need to be speaking to because I work with a founder of a of a, a creative agency, for example. He needs to get clients for his creative agency. So he needs to basically write in a way or we need to write in a way which shows that he's insightful. He knows the industry. He's on top of all the topics um, and clients are going to want to come to him because he's seen as an expert in the field. So really it's about like, for example, like the project's that either of you are on or the jobs that you want to get that's what you would end up talking about like the way I started with this how I got to personal branding was because 
when I've set up like a branding agency first um, before I pivoted, I just spoke about branding all the time. Like, and I'm a lot better at writing my interpretation of branding in that format. And then people started to follow me and try to give me business based on me being perceived as an expert in branding. And ultimately, you've got me here talking about branding on the spot, and I haven't been able to back up what um, how I write about it. But that's kind of like that's in my in my head from my own personal brand the hat I've been wearing for the last year or, or so is the personal branding hat so it's kind of like I then have now had to shift from my content point of view to be on LinkedIn talking about the importance of personal branding but it's kind of like it's it's not something that is easily articulated in content format in an interesting way as it is to talk about branding and you're working for yourself now and, and that's maybe something you wanted and you didn't want to work for these big brands but with that comes a lot of pressure of you know you doing the work and, and maybe some mental health struggles with that as well have you found adapting to that you know since leaving your job after covid have you found you know the whole period of navigating this new stage of your life i couldn't think of doing anything different there was some there has been some hard days like in the beginning when I went down this journey of creating a branding agency because it was so competitive there are branding agencies that are phenomenal in this in this world and their work is so design led you look at the portfolios and you're coming to the market on your own and saying I'm trying to create a branding agency it is it's very very difficult um so those first days trying to get trying to get traction you know first 3 to 6 months hard really really hard but not from a a mental health point of view in terms of I wouldn't say I was like being mentally ill um at the time or suffering with depression or 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 whatever it's more just like just just bloody hard just always like thinking you know the worst sort of case scenario how am I going to get money am I a failure am I a failure do I even know what I'm talking about um and I think it's just having having a good support network and just being honest and then talking to people um about it genuine generally like yeah generally helped i think also having a friend that created a service-based business that really helped me because he was the first person to ever tell me to post on linkedin um and i knew that the the thing that i could control was at least my creative output by posting on linkedin and then trying to reach people um if i wasn't doing that then then i wouldn't have been you know i wouldn't have managed to stay self-employed for so long um because it was something that i can, could control it would be like okay just keep writing content keep grinding keep writing content but I, i've got i've got um a solid base of clients now and even even now like you still have to obviously you think about how can we grow bigger how can i think about building a team one day how can i um how can i do this how can i do that but i i know now within myself I'm not going to take a job and that's been that's that's I'm proud of that because that took me a long time whenever I've tried to do any creative project before there was always this thing of like I'm going to end up having to get a job not believing it would happen um but yeah the pivot to personal branding has been huge just because it's uh there's some really good companies doing you know they're they're obviously bigger and better than me right now but there's an industry there which is growing and there's less competitors um so yeah, for anybody starting a business, I think get off TikTok and get off Instagram because that's not what it's like. Like it's not it's not um 
yeah it's not Andrew Tate it's there's a lot of there's a lot of um, there's a lot of grinding and there's a lot of lonely lonely days what was the moment then when it sort of clicked for you you alluded to sort of three to six months in it was a, it was a bit of a slog but what was is there anything that sticks out where you thought yeah I think the first person to give me a big project they I had posted about Heights um, the brain care pill I'll talk about a distinct brand asset to be fair so they they sell um, nootropics that basically apparently make your um, your day to day life better but they also make you have more brain clarity they get rid of brain fog apparently anyway they uh, created this bottle which was like really uniquely shaped but kind of like you would want to put it on your kitchen shelf because it was quite cool um and that was a really that's a really cool execution of of packaging and and branding because they realized that supplements traditionally would always be put in the cupboard um because they're quite ugly and if they're put in the cupboard they're out of sight so they're out of mind but if you have a really like nice bit of packaging and it's it's on the kitchen side table people are going to take it and if they take it obviously it works that they they believe it works so then they'll buy another one um so i posted about that that because i'd heard it on a podcast and i found it really interesting um and then like two hours later someone said i've been following your post for a while but the heights one really um you know really like captivated me i'd love you to work with you on my natural deodorant i think that was like yeah just your first client win is is pretty amazing but that obviously takes a few more calls and calls and then when um you get the email through saying yeah we'd love to work for you like it's a big it's a big relief um there's also another person um a if a youtuber that i i met at a party um and then turned them into a client that was a that was a big moment because i was really nervous was, going was to that me. zach nah yeah. No. So you did a live stream of Zach Alsop as well? No, it's not Zach. No, it's not Zach. I promise you it's not Zach. Um, but Zach, no, Zach's just a good friend. And we, we mess around on LinkedIn because it's, it's funny messing around on LinkedIn with YouTubers because it's it's on YouTube. They, they put so much work into their videos and they put so much detail into it. And I think LinkedIn's just a funny place to experiment with a YouTuber because it's like you can get you can kind of go viral on linkedin from writing which could take my most viral post took me five minutes to write and on youtube like the amount of work that goes into the videos is i think people don't actually realize how much work goes into that but you could work on a idea from start to finish for six weeks and and then you put it out there for the world to see and then like yeah if it thankfully now like I, i'm watching we've watched we've been speaking to zach a lot recently and the videos are all doing really well um but he'll admit himself there was a point in time where his uh yeah his channel wasn't performing as well as it could have been and i think for a content creator that is like that is stressful man but where, where do you see the future of personal branding and why is it so important for people to become more aware of and to be involved in yeah so the the tagline i've settled on just to be a bit disruptive is personal branding for real people everything i do and the gentleman listening in actually reminded me of that is to really tap into people's authenticity that literally came out of his his mouth but it is really important because as we all get like the the the, the platforms 
whatever it is are already getting like noisier and noisier everybody's trying to trying to talk um about the same stuff pretty much in a different way so where authenticity plays into this is that we all do generally genuinely have our own quirks we all have strong opinions and i'm not talking like pierce morgan katie uh, hopkins strong opinions but we do all have strong insights and strong opinions of how we see the world but they're the most petrifying things to share because they're so personal and they have so much depth but it's that true true nature of being that is within us that we do really need to tap into to bring to the table because yeah with the rise of technology with the rise of ai with the rise of things that can write so much better than you um with the fact that you can hire people now to write you know on your on your behalf all of that will end up getting lost unless um unless people really identify like identify with what you bring to the table and what your unique offering is um I think I read something like realistically if if I'm honest with myself like the times I've forgotten about oh what a great hook is or like I've dismissed like all of these templates I have in my notion folder of like this is a great format of posting when I get rid of that stuff and I stop reading what everybody tells me is the best way to gamify an algorithm and then I sit there with myself and I've read a book I've had a coffee and I basically connect a book and I connect another book and I basically merge a learning from the both from both of them and then I internalize that and then go to write it that is far more interesting than anything else because it's those are the connections that you can make as a human that other people can't make because they're not you your internalization of something you've read and another book you've read it when you start deep reading into a lot of things it all kind of merges into new knowledge and it becomes learned and when you tap into that that's what sets your thinking out from others like the true trailblazers trailblazers in this world they don't do what everyone else is doing they literally play their own game and because they're so unique and they're so interesting you just follow them you even if you hate them even if they annoy you you just can't you can't stop thinking about their thoughts because they're so individualized it's interesting taking away the distractions of of this day and age and how that can sort of birth the, the best productivity um, and, and maybe that's what branding is going almost full circle to how it was before and to finish off the podcast uh, and, and your thoughts on branding and, and personal branding is really enlightened both Nella and I and I'm sure everyone listening but you know you've had a, a very interesting career it's, it's it's been up and down as you've alluded to and you know a lot's happened um, and what would you say looking back on it is your definition of success now then because i mean was it did you have one when you set out on your career journey and has it changed since then it's a great question i think i think people like me the issue is you overthink so many things and even that question is the sort of thing that i'll wake up in the morning and i'll think about it and then i'll realize like it's going to detract away from my enjoyment of today and ultimately the only way I believe to live a life enjoyed is every day you wake up trying to enjoy that day and over time you appreciate that you're a little bit more present, you enjoyed the days um, and you're not thinking about the past or the future and I think like thinking about my definition of success, the the one thing I, and this isn't just to be like um, 
a mummy's boy or to like try and get people to 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 empathize with me like sincerely i've tried to distill it to what what i would look back back on as success and i think it comes down to like my my mum like during the times of me chopping and changing doing so much like chaotic stuff like that is quite hard to understand and she probably experienced it with my father as well so he was just like in a great job quit you know things happen good things happen bad like i i would feel very satisfied that i lived a good life when i can i can say that it's making me emotional when I go to say it, but when I can say, looking at her in the face, and she just looks back at me and says, "I'm yeah, I'm so proud of you," and that's ultimately like ultimately success. I think it comes down to that. The people that you love the most, forgetting all the bullshit of like I'm sharing content online to grow followers, all of that comes back to this. Like I just want my family to look at me, my friends to feel like I'm proud of you, and I think that's all that matters. I think we get so caught up in social media right now. But what, like, it's it literally is a game. Anybody that's, like, considering posting online and cares about what people think, they're so irrelevant, all of these people. They really are. The only people that you need to care about are the ones that just, they listen to you when you're down and they show faith in you. Those are the only people to care about. So that's why I, I, I don't give a, like, I don't care about what I share online. Um, so my definition of success, yeah, going full circle is is being able to, like, my yeah my mum to feel like you gave it all I'm so glad I put my faith in you and by the way thank you for moving me into a mansion not a mansion but just thank you for for showing that you weren't just a waste of time on this planet not that she'd ever think that but yeah, yeah. And, and from your your first answer it's felt like a bit of a, a roller coaster since then where you sort of talked about your GCSEs and, and being like very confused with an edu- education system and then even within jobs and now to actually be doing something you're passionate about I mean that that must mean you're well on your way to achieving that that definition of success. Yeah, that, that's why when I when I I don't I don't really like going on podcasts because I don't rehearse enough of the things to say. But this one was interesting to me purely because, as I said, like I I respect what it's like to be a student. It's so confusing. There's so many avenues you can take your life. Um, I also respect that like anybody that is trying with a creative output deserves respect because it's it's as i said it's daunting in the beginning um and yeah i i think it's important for students to know that life is full of ups and downs like you said to me um it it seems like you might have had like struggles with your mental health i'm not going to take it i don't take that personally but i feel like i haven't really it's just that i'm a human and life like is going to throw you ups and downs you're going to go into jobs um and you're going to hate them but that's okay and I think that's a really important point as well like some jobs just suck and it isn't down to the employer to make you of course they need a culture which isn't toxic but they don't need to make you um, a great person or whatever they they essentially they're paying you if you don't like the job you have to leave if you stuck it out for a year and you really hate the job leave but don't like it's not their fault like it's our own it's as an individual as a human it's our own responsibility to try and find satisfaction in this world. We can blame other people. We can blame other things. It's going to do no good. And you need to really like go on the roller coaster of life. You need to have terrible hardship. You need to go into jobs that make you feel uncomfortable. You need to start projects and nobody gives a shit about it. You need to just keep trying, doing different things. You need to have a student podcast. 
it might in two years you might still be doing it you might not it doesn't matter the fact is you gave it a good go you met some people um, and you had good conversations and hopefully you learned more about the world but fundamentally um, life it's as simple as you're born you're going to die in the middle there's going to be horrible things there's going to be great things but as long as you can f try and find enjoyment in the everyday um, and you can treat people with respect and try and help people when you can that's the only way you're going to have a good life